podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, a Deep Space Nine podcast that um, comes out uh, less often than the wormhole. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. I'm the new senior administrator of the Ferengi Benevolent Association. <laughs> Thank you, Rom. What is that? That was Rom. That was Rom? Yeah. It really sounded New Yorky in that one. Well, I mean... You know the Ferengi. I'm the new senior administrator. <laughs> I'm the new senior administrator of the Ferengi Benevolent Association. Is he doing a character himself? Like, is he pretending to be someone? In that, no. That's Rom. And the Ferengi Benevolent Association kind of sounds like one of the the Italian kind of organizations in New York that were basically just fronts for the mafia. Yeah. Is that what he's doing? Is that the bit? I don't remember. We'll find out. (laughs) All right. Stay tuned, everyone. You know what? If Uh, that's the bit, good, uh, good delivery of the concept in just one statement. (laughs) Is that the bit? We'll find out eventually. I think. Uh, Let's remember, everyone. Let's talk about this. Is uh, progress. We're almost. We're almost through season one because season one only has nineteen episodes. This is fourteen. Really. I wonder. Season one. Do we know why? Not enough faith. I, I think it just started late. Oh. Oh, then probably they thought it was going to be so successful they just rushed it in. Not enough faith. Are you kidding me? It was Star Trek in the early nineties. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Go make it. Yeah. Um. Progress, Andy. Should they watch it? Let's find out. Andy, would you have them watch this episode? This is tough. Great performance by Keith, but no. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? It's like all my least favorite things about Deep Space Nine in one episode. Thank you. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the difference in tone between my horn and your horn. My horn is a little bit happier, and yours is a little bit more resigned. <laughs> it's da da, and yours is da da. <laughs> At least I thank my horns, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let the horn section know you appreciate them. Uh, yeah, this is a, uh, this is one of those episodes that like I'm Matt, like, you would have made a great band leader. I would have. You would have had a real good personality for that. For them throwing, you know, throwing little side bits to you and you smiling and. Well, that's that's what I did on my bowing. talk show. I just played. I remember I was the. Oh, I that's right. You made yourself the monologue, right. and I. Yeah. <laughs> I but sat I'm saying, over there with a the bass. I'm saying one step even further than the... I guess you also did that, yes. One, one step even further than the sidekick. The beauty of that show was I was... Uh, the premise was built solely around my laziness. I was like, man, I really want to host. Yeah. Yeah, let someone else do it. <laughs> then I'll do it. I'll do the other shit. I don't know if I've ever seen my episode. What happened to the... I recorded one episode. Mm-hmm. 
and then it didn't record or something, or there was a technical problem, or or did I just come back and do it again? What are you talking about? Did you did your episode happen? recorded and it was fine. It was good. It was fine. Your episode. I don't. Maybe there's a test there episode. A snafu. Was I there for a test episode? I did. What would there twice. be a test? We're so great. Huh. You no, did? No. I don't remember you doing it twice. I thought I did two episodes. Maybe I'm imagining I this. Well, maybe you did in separate seasons. I did a couple seasons of it. Could be. Sidekick with Matt Meyer. Look it up. I don't know where it is now. It's gone. That's it was a on a streaming question. platform that doesn't exist anymore. What was the I don't have any platform? copies of it. Alpha. Alpha. Gotcha. Part of Legendary Entertainments. Uh, you know, it just really was... Uh, I enjoyed it. I, it was a, it was a fun show. I believe the first season is available podcast form still somewhere out there, uh, so you can listen to the audio of it. I uh, I liked it. I still have the coffee mug. I wish it went. I wish it went many more coffee. seasons, and the uh, platform didn't collapse in on itself. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I wish. Um, well, I if wish wishes it, were fishes, you know, that was when I had so many jobs, Andy. That was a long. That was uh, 2017. I had. Uh, I had three full-time jobs. Who would you? What celebrity would you compare yourself to? At Al that Roker. Point, I was the. I was. I was. Uh, Kevin Hart. I guess. <laughs> I was a. I was trying to think of a fatter word for Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> that Seacrest is a good name for something. It's <laughs> <laughs> my improv name. <laughs> Look, Matt, you can't keep an unbroken chain of success like that forever. You gotta have your fallow periods. I know, I'm in it, guys. <laughs> Thanks for supporting the podcast, by the way, my only job. Thanks for continuing to listen. Enjoy this episode over there, and uh, if you want to hear uh, Picard Season 3 stuff, head over to Patreon and let me know that what I do is of worth to you. Andy already knows it's of worth. I don't. Um, I know... <laughs> Because I hear from them, <laughs> or I know yeah. you're—I know that you're of worth. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I'm not saying I'm of worth. I'm just saying what this meandering podcast that I uh, attempt to remember how to keep on the rails—that I mostly steer off the rails, uh, like you're doing now. Hope you appreciate it. <laughs> Speaking of rails, uh, <laughs> when are you going to drop the uh, Picard wrap up? Uh, before this episode, okay. Actually, I guess I'd probably do it today. Okay. So I'm hearing this. I did it yesterday. I don't know exactly how to determine <laughs> what you wanted me to determine. <laughs> there have been a couple of people who said, I want you to drop the rest of them and, on, yeah. the, on the Twitter, but that was it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I don't know how to evaluate this. Maybe, it's, maybe, maybe well, as long as people aren't saying, please don't. That's true. Um, uh, yeah. We both ummed at the same time. We're in, we're in perfect harmony now. Um, um, you know what's next, Matt? Do you? Yes, the Admiral. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Good iTunes, leave a five-star review and join the Admiral's Club. Matt, how are they going to do the Admiral's Club? Uh, you head over to your podcast catcher, wherever you're getting the show, and uh, leave a five-star review. You're in. Maybe Andy will read it on the show. And announce it to the world. Who is it this week? Well, we had a tweet because I've sort of opened it up to anywhere you want to, you know, send out stuff to the world and let us let them know. 
to come well, on over here and take a look. Why do you ask me if you know the actual ways? I, do you want me to retire that? It's sort of just <laughs> it's just a ceremony at this point. <laughs> it's in the song, but it's not because iTunes doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Everything is wrong now. The song is saying something that's no longer true, and then I follow it up with a question that that is answered in the song. It's everything from top to bottom. That used to be the only thing that was wrong. Now there are two things that are wrong. Well, Andy, who's who's who who tweet reviewed us? Okay, if anybody wants to come up with a new jingle, feel free. Um, Saturday morning podcast uh, at Set Morn Pod, uh, a good a good friend and supporter of the show, uh, says I listen every day to get my Star Trek fix because Matt and Andy are damn funny and because it makes me feel great. Uh, sorry, it just makes me feel great. Plus, they have so many hours of content, and I only have a thirty-minute commute. Go listen, <laughs> and uh, then he points it to the uh, to the Apple Podcast. Thank you so much. Saturday we often product. do enough in one episode to get him through a week of commuting. That's right. Um, oh, Is your commute longer? Join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Endless, many more hours content. in there. Um, I think you're about to. You're about to be undermined by this next one <laughs> with your with your sal- salesmanship. Uh, still, my favorite after all these years. This is from Kately M. Um, five stars. Buckle up, boys. This is going to be a long one. Uh, I thought I'd update my old review to reflect that I'm uh, going strong on this podcast years later. This is only the second podcast I ever subscribed to, and it's the only one I haven't unsubscribed to in time. <laughs> In my experience, as the years go by, podcast hosts fall into one of many traps. One, they make every episode almost entirely about politics with the subject matter only incidental to their feelings. (laughs) Not us. (laughs) We hide in a hole and say very little. (laughs) We live in the future where everything worked out. (laughs) Number two. They do nothing but advertise their Patreon exclusive episodes. <laughs> well, I mean, look, just in this section, guys. We've got a we got a special, you know, it's it's special because the Picard stuff is coming up and we're going to be doing it every week. So, you know, if we're going to be doing that work, we would like uh, we would like people to know about it for season 3 of Picard. Um number 3 they decide uh, that the listeners care more about the host's personal lives and interests than the subject matter. <laughs> or oh, we, we never make that mistake. You guys uh, like Star Trek more than our personal no. lives. We, we do talk about Henry. That's about it. Matt's son, yeah. Henry. Everything else is pretty much we, uh, we just yammer about pointless things. Uh, or four, they get really prideful and start thinking they can do no wrong. Matt and Andy are not like this at all. Sure, they talk about politics, but they've never made it the focus of an episode. They shield their Patreon, but they provide plenty of content for free, and that's without sponsorship. Yeah, they'll talk about anything but the subject matter at hand, but that's been built in from the start. Uh, And it's usually less about everything on their Netflix list and more about pizza and Frank Sinatra and how actors get paid. And most importantly, Matt and Andy are still to this day so incredibly bumbling that it seems impossible that they'd ever get too prideful to care about what their fans think. No. That's a very... As someone who's been podcasting for... It's not finished, FYI. A long... Well, I'm just still... Okay, you can have a... I just wanted you to know. Thank you. Uh, I'm podcasting for... How long? 2007... 15 years. Yeah. Uh, 
that list of things that can go awry with podcasting is very astute. What do you and mean? I'm, I'm, I like that. I like that list. It's like oh yeah yeah they're, yeah. They're foibles and traps that everybody falls into. It's fascinatingly. Sure. It's concise. I like that list. I'm glad we don't do a lot of those things. <laughs> um, or, or we keep it uh, minimal in any case. Um, and then finishing this, uh, this, uh, this, this review up. In a world full of people trying to scream the loudest that they're better than everyone else, Matt and Andy are my heartwarming, cozy place to get away from it all. Andy once even sent me a nice email after I lost my beloved pet cat. Uh, oh, I'm glad about that. Um, uh, um <laughs> TL uh, oh, glad. oh, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I was, glad I was a, a nice human being for a second. <laughs> when anybody, I so fear being a dick um, that I that whenever anybody says, "Hey, you did this one nice thing," I was like, "Oh, thank God." Uh, too long didn't read uh, this podcast and its host give me uh, the warm fuzzies. I hope to listen to them for many years to come. Oh, and the Star Trek discussions are good too. I'm loving DS9. Thank you so much for your kind and insightful overview of our um, failures for and our successes. For someone that's Kately only M. subscribed to two podcasts ever, yeah. to have generated that list of things that go wrong with podcasts, I think is fascinating. It's, yeah, that's a good... That's a good amalgam. Um, and la- lastly, Admiral the Astrophysicist, who I think might be Andy the Astrophysicist from our Patreon crew, um, simply sends uh, a quote. Andy, would you have them listen to this podcast? Yeah, I mean, what else are you doing? Ta-da! <laughs> Appropriate. Um, that's it for the Admiral's Club. All right, let's head over to the Presidente Circle. And that was the Admiral's The United Federation of Planets President Circle. Hey everybody, it's the President Circle. It's where our patrons hang out, especially the Presidential Circle members. Don't want to go on and on about it, because that's a trap a lot of podcasts follow. <laughs> so head over to Star Trek, patreon.com, forward Star Trek TNC. Find out more, support the show if you'd like. We would appreciate it. Uh, Andy likes to uh, go through the comments, and if he finds one that tickles his fancy, it gets Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who's getting it this week? Lieutenant Rogers' second, subord- uh, second insubordination mini-arc. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't necessarily like this one. It was the most concise and pithy and witty, so I'm reading it. But I don't know if I it, agree with it. It didn't, didn't tickle your fancy, though? Not necessarily. Uh, and, it's, and it's this. Let's be real. Matt is the Miles in this podlationship. Andy is the Bashir. <laughs> Julian needs a girlfriend. <laughs> and while I agree with the comparison on the uh, Julie slash Aunt, Julian slash Andy needs a girlfriend... I don't like me. As far as I can tell, this guy's a total awful person as far as I can see so far in the show. I don't like him at all. I don't want to be that guy. He's got layers. I'm the Kira. I consider myself more the Kira. I'm fiery. I'm argumentative. You take care of old men. Huh? You take care of old men. I take care of old men. I get weirdly obsessed with old men. (laughs) Um... Uh, do you, do you think you're who do you think you are on the DS9? 
if you got to if you got to make the call. Also, Matt outranks me. So theoretically. <laughs> yeah, Morn. I mean, <laughs> really learned a lot about Morn in this episode. <laughs> happy to just sit here. <laughs> um, and we're in the priority one messages proper. Here we are, priority one messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, what are people saying about the episode we just watched called The Storyteller? Well, um, and this sort of off-topic thing we hear from father and son uh, duo Cosmo and James Moore, um, who say, here's how much I love the next conversation. Money is extra tight right now. My wife said, what the hell are you spending so much on with Patreon? Being a tired stay-at-home dad with two uh, twin two-year-olds. I didn't know you had twins, Cosmo. So those they're younger than James then. So they must have been after James, unless James is a twin. I'm playing that because there's more Moors than we thought there were. Cosmo Moore. Ron Moore. Yeah, now there are even more Moors. Josh Moore. Ronald D. Moore. Joe Moore. I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moors. My television watching has gone way down, and my main source of entertainment is podcasts. I told my wife I was willing to downgrade all my Patreon subscriptions to $1 except TNC. That is where I draw the line. I canceled. <laughs> uh, he said the name of the podcast, but I'm not going <laughs> to canceled that this other person. Uh, subscription and eliminated a few more subscriptions so that I could justify staying in the president circle. Much love to Matt and Andy. Um, and then he follows it up. Much love, much love back at you. Cosmo. Right. Thank you for your longstanding support, uh, Cosmo. Uh, and then he follows it up with uh, Deep Space Nine uh, comment. Remember how small the Enterprise was compared to Deep Space Nine? And that is a big-ass ship. I wonder how long it takes to walk the outer ring of the station. And then well, that's a good question. Kieran O'Sullivan um, offers it's apparently approximately... 4.56 kilometers that's 2.833 miles for the americans in its oh yeah of course i'm not doing the accent i don't know what's going on uh it's apparently approximately 4.56 kilometers that's 2.833 miles for the americans kieran by the way may have told me he is not irish at all at some point and i just don't remember in its circumference at its outer edge so I guess it's a, uh, an hour, maybe an hour and a half, based on my usual approximately four-kilometer walks. And these accent corner. It's going to be shit. It sure is. And it was. And it was. Yes, it was. Uh, um, I wonder, is it is, is a promenade? Mean, is I'm a prom- shocked that you could walk it in an hour. Do you think the promenade goes through the whole, like, the whole, do you think there's a continuous ring that you're, you can walk through, like, without hitting any doors? I would certainly like it if there was. That's what I would. I mean, that's, I think that's it would be the, good for the station because people sure. could jog, people could do their their walks around. You know, around. Cardassians always looking to design things for that are good for everybody. So I guess that's you know, true. That even better. that even more leans it toward what I imagine would happen, which is, oh, we can walk all around the station, and then it's like, what's this blocked off area that's security? You know, you can't go in, and it's you know. Uh, that that seems like what it would be, but it'd be much nicer if you could just at least they had one area with some good windows that you could fully walk around the station. Yeah, that's my vote. If Cisco is <laughs> taking votes, because the habitat <laughs> ring is inside of the promenade ring. So 
I is guess. the habitat ring like a an ar- arboretum or something? No, that's like where everybody's all the living quarters are on the oh, outer oh, oh. ring. Um, oh, interesting. So you go out to the outer ring to do business. Yeah. And then you go into the inner ring to live. Well, I guess business is part of living if you're certainly <laughs> if you're a Ferengi. <laughs> That's all there is. To live <laughs> the primary part of living, but an hour and a half seems like a short walk. What? I don't want to walk an hour and a half. <laughs> to normal people, to that seems long to me. I understand. I'm not saying for I'm going out and I'm going to have a walk. That that's that's a that's a short. I'm saying it seems like it would take longer to get around the full circumference of the ring. In my well, there's head. no world where you'd ever would have to do that. You would only ever have to walk half of it. So then what does it At take? At most, you would only have to walk half of it because wherever you're going would be either half the lick or shorter. What if it's the equivalent of a hike for you? What are you talking about? There's no inclines. It's all flat. You know, many hikes, who's particularly... Who's hiking on a flat flats? Who's, who's <laughs> hiking the flats? I don't know how I've somehow in this conversation become the defender of physical exercise. <laughs> well, I mean, look at us. You can see why. I don't look the way I look because of anything I'm doing to take care of myself. I'm, I'll guarantee you that. Um, anyway, well, then how long does it take to walk around uh, uh, the Enterprise D? What do you mean? Like around the saucer section? If this is an hour and a half, it must be like 15 minutes. I mean, that's a long time to walk around a spaceship without repeating any, you know, distance. You're not seeing anything twice. I guess I just always imagine it much bigger. Anyway. Michael C. Bazaruski, Andy supporter and Matt's lovable antagonist. Not a tourist, <laughs> but still a stubborn sedan. <laughs> Um, I don't remember what joke this is in reference to, so I assume it was yours. Uh, it has a quote: "You've been prisanked." Did you say <laughs> prisanked. that? Prisanked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure so it says, "You've been prisanked," and then his follow-up comment is, "Man, this podcast has really fucked the bed." <laughs> reference to a weird Matt bit. Uh, we're really, we really are shilling the Patreon today. <laughs> that was also from our Voyager Patreon. Sorry. Um, you guys, you guys have weird bits too. Like my nipples, you know. You guys got that. It's true. Um, Art Nitsky. Ah! Doctor. Ah! Oh, thank God. My nipples. <laughs> The source of my nipples. Uh, what's funny is whenever I hear the beginning of that sound cue, I always forget that my nipples is coming at the end. And it's a nice little extra cherry on top. It's a button. Uh, 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 Lieutenant Nitschke, uh, if I'm saying it wrong, put it in the uh, phonetically for me, uh, hails us, just had a great idea for a sitcom starring Matt and Andy. I propose a reboot of The Odd Couple, only this time, instead of the characters being opposites, they are pretty much the same person. Despite this, they'll argue all the time anyway. Feel free to steal this idea. Now on with the show. And then Joe Moore adds a title suggestion, The Pod Couple, but then says in parentheses, probably already a thing. Happy face emoji. It probably already yeah. That has to be a thing, right? If not. Somebody's fucking missing the boat. We're not a couple, so we can't. 
Not a classic couple. Not a classic cis couple. Samuel Paul, obtuse piece of flotsam, <laughs> tells us, For decades we've been eating real good, as the cadets say, with regards to original Trek soundtracks. You got your Goldsmiths, your Horners, your Rosenmans, or Rosenmen. Anyway, which composer cranked out Use Guy's favorite piece of Trek music? Favorite piece? Uh, I mean, the Goldsmith theme um, is tough to beat as a single piece, but the Star Trek II, you know, in all of its versions is probably the 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 top for me. The Horner themes. I would say the... I'm trying to think, what scene is it? I think it's when when Khan first um, catches uh, Kirk off guard. Sure, sure. Just so great. How about you? I don't know. I know you're being asked now. You want to? Do you want to give? Take some time and think about it, and then and I'll go on to the next hail, and you can. I mean, I think I like the end title sequence of Khan. That, if that's the one I'm thinking of, it's kind of kind of uh, triumphant and. Yeah, that is nice. That is a nice one, man. Fucking Horner kicked ass. He doesn't really get. I mean, people obviously are obsessed with Wrath of Khan. He doesn't really get the credit he deserves, I believe. Because this is like a John Williams-level score, and I say that with no disrespect to Horner, Maestro Horner. I'm just obsessed with John Williams, as many of us are. Everybody is. So, but Did anyway, many of us write a thesis paper on him in college? What a nerd no, I am. I did. Oh, boy. I was in a classical music class, and he kept playing these themes. And because uh, John Williams is general, you know, he's a little bit of a, a mix mice master, which is not often referred to. But there's like, if you listen to certain Debussy themes, then it's like, oh, he's fucking took that for Jaws. Right, uh, right, but he's just right. a genius Tarantino-like mix master. It's like so, so... Uh, so I did a whole, whole paper on him. How do I get to meet he knows, him? He knows the he knows the right bits to steal when. Yeah, clock's ticking. I hope I get to meet him. Um, Lieutenant Tess hails us. Anytime a story has some big secret that only one person knows, and that the and that person passes it on to another person before they die, I wonder what happens if the person with the secret dies suddenly. It's poor planning. If the secret is important, is that important to everyone's survival? There should at least be a small committee in on it. And that concludes the amount of thought energy I'm willing to devote to this shale DS9 episode. Already more than it deserves, really. Well, there was the indication, I think that that guy had told his apprentice, like the apprentice knew what was what. Oh, that's fair. It's interesting, though. The apprentice knew. Wait, did the apprentice know that it was bullshit? Yeah, because the apprentice 
Yes, tried. the apprentice knew that it was bullshit, yeah. but he also screwed the apprentice out of the position, allegedly to make the apprentice, you know, prove to himself and everyone that he could do it, I guess. I think that was, you know, I think that's what we're supposed to take away, right? That Bashir was correct and that was what was happening. However, it seems like the old, what was his name, Sira, uh, you know, may have put his chips in a slightly weird place and that the apprentice then tried to murder fucking O'Brien when things didn't go as well. I mean, so I don't know if he should be the spiritual leader of this freaking... I feel like the Bajorans are a passionate bunch. You had to suspect he would at least be capable of murder. I, I mean, I guess that's true. And I guess you could argue that the reason he was being so fanatical, as many Bajorans are, is, as we find out in this episode, is because... Uh, is because he thought he was protecting the village. Still weird. Mm. Lieutenant Stephen Harris uh, tells us, how did the Cardassians handle Dalrock? That's a valid question. The creature in the weird CG well, effect. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was an, it was an occupation, you know? So I'm guessing that, like, you know, these smaller villages that... Uh, had no real resources needed by the Cardassian Empire, nor were they bothering the Cardassians. Or probably left sort of to their own devices. What I'm saying is I don't think they the got involved. You don't think they were had anything to do with Dalrock, yeah. But wouldn't they have scanned like what the hell is that thing happening there? I don't know why the rest of Bajor didn't notice something that huge, but I guess they had their own problems with the Cardassians. Maybe it's like only huge. It's like, you know, an optical illusion. It only looks big to that village. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's um, probably it. We solved it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Good job. Short Carbuncle uh, hails us. I have one of the Kraft Food Star Trek V marshmallow dispensers. It's a real piece of shit, and I treasure it. Yeah. I'm curious. I want to look this up. Used to see those at conventions when I was a kid. Yeah. They were overpriced then. Marshmallow. Mm-hmm. What would you do? I'm looking at it and I don't understand you, how you, it works. You would just you would just put like you would just shove marshmallows in and it acted like a Pez dispenser almost. You know, you'd slide the thing up and a marshmallow you'd pull a marshmallow out. What percentage I don't know if it's fair to say the world, because most of the world is starving. So let's say of America um, just sits there and pops raw marshmallows in their mouth. Would you say no one? I think it was it was it was intended as a it roasting, intended as a let's go to a let's go to a campfire and and have a great time. Seems like that's a limited thing to build your product on. Limited, but demo. it wasn't a product they built. It was sort of a giveaway tie into the movie. No, I, I don't why, mean. Why are you asking why Spock had one? <laughs> No. Is that your question? Wait, are you saying the the Trek characters didn't eat it raw? I'm saying how much everyone, how much of every person in America, how many people just sit oh, there? Oh, eating like, raw I'm just going to sit here, yeah. On their own? Yes. Like not as part of like a cereal or a... Or a Correct. Like cake? Pour? No one. It's like probably 1.3%. All right, well. I mean, even that might be high. Is this a poll? Is this a T'Pol? To poll? No. Well, maybe I'll put the to poll up. Them. If, let me ask you. Confused. If I put the to poll up, what would you guess the breakdown's going to be? 
I think it. I, honestly, I think you'd get like two percent or less than. This will be interesting. I'm gonna better eating pool. marshmallows out of a bag raw. All right. Kira, Kieran O'Sullivan. Uh, should I do them? I'm not, I'm not going to no, do it. No, you already did it. All right. I already I already drove away our Irish listeners. Uh, Kieran O'Sullivan says, I laughed so hard that you guys didn't give the MVC to Julian. He saves O'Brien from being murdered and completed the mission to save the town by making the apprentice take over and become the new Sira. Instead, the MVC was given to Nog, who undermined Cisco and Jake's efforts to extol the virtues of peace and reconciliation, and instead taught the young leader about the basics of Ferengi-branded capitalism and how to leverage the power of owning land that was unjustly taken from its traditional owners. Mm, that is true. Might have been an oversight on our part. I don't know. I agree. I think it's the, the second part is valid, but the first part, it's like O'Brien was in on the plan to get the other guy to be the new Syrah. Uh, so he didn't really save his... Oh, I guess he saved his life when he was being yeah, when stabbed, he, right? Yes. When he felt the stabbing come by. Um, but the other thing is, and I think this is the reason we didn't give the MVC to anybody on the planet, none of that had anything to do with the station. It seemed like this side quest. Yeah. So in my head, MVC is like, who's the main mission? And uh, well, you know, the original intent of it was who did the most to save the crew or the ship. Well, you could argue that Nog, for whatever you know values he instilled in the girl, he was helping the girl avoid a war, and that was Cisco's mission. That's what I say. Fair, fair. Ben Plavin says nothing burger episodes like this one were the reason that for the first season i was more of a fan of babylon 5 no i don't think you should watch babylon 5 for the patreon you're alone there ben i don't know if you're alone a lot of people have said we should watch it uh thank the prophets that ds9 got so much better yeah i think that 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 is another uh element of this episode progress here that we're going to be talking about today it sure is it kind of is a nothing burger, isn't it? I like that term. I've heard it before, but I don't use it enough. Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson. I don't like the term. Why? Because you like burgers. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. Because it's been like co-opted by right-wing pundits. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's like. Ugh. And nothing burger was snatched away from me as soon as I began to enjoy it. <laughs> See, now we're talking about politics. See, we're breaking all of our rules. <laughs> Um, Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson, uh, who is who does the honorable and much appreciated uh, uh, um, service to the show of uh, preparing our This Day in Tracks, um, said, Andy, I think your sitcom dream job was already taken by Michael Fishman, a.k.a. DJ on Roseanne. He was a series regular for five seasons of the Revival but was only actually in 35 of the 80 episodes he's credited in and is usually only in one scene of the ones he's in, often with one or two lines max. Wow. That is... And you're 100% right, Zach, especially because he was definitely a regular. Like, And so if you're paid as a regular, you're paid vastly more than if you're just yeah, coming in and doing is, a shot. That is a terrific gig right there. I'm not above the, you know, the come in and do a funny little thing. I love that on a cool show so happy to do that but the dream is side tech guy who just comes in is like kind of quirky spits out some exposition and goes home um lieutenant darach morrissey 
I listened to this pod right after listening to the mid-season two episode of Voyager called Tattoo. Uh, that was another dull episode of Trek with no jeopardy or dramatic tension. With so many episodes to make, it's inevitable that there will be misfires. As a side note, the pod helped me through uh, a bumpy few weeks. My mom passed away after a long illness just before Christmas, and I work for one of the big tech companies that laid off thousands in January. I think I have managed to avoid being laid off, but it's stressful and awful seeing so many of my peers losing their jobs. The pod has been a great diversion and escape through all this. Also hope that Matt and Andy are doing okay. Sounded like you were both experiencing some bumpy events. Take care. Uh... Thanks for listening. I'm glad that uh, we're helping you get through. You know, the podcast also helps us get through the bullshit, too. It's so true. <laughs> it's, otherwise, we'd, I'd be a fucking hermit completely. There's a level of, for, for all of uh, our complaints and scheduling problems, there is a level of structure that it gives both of us and like oh i'm engaging in this thing with this person yeah. and these people that listen i have now it's like yeah whenever we're like scheduling a thing i'm like okay i have something to do that day now right <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all as well um chris cloakner says it's wild there wasn't a follow-up scene with miles and julian hunting down kira and asking what's up with the uh, mist monster <laughs> was it in the briefing packets so many questions I wonder. I feel like it is implied that nobody else knows about this thing going on in this weird little village. Although one might right. ask, I guess the prophets have their have their own, you know, cryptic motivations. But one might ask if that is possible to do in this little village. Why doesn't why don't the prophets do it everywhere, or at least on Bajor everywhere? It's to unify this village to stop infighting. I guess there were particularly there was particularly more infighting in this village. There were all a bunch of dicks, but uh, it's unclear why no one else has created a giant monster for everyone to collectively fight. <laughs> <laughs> our, our monsters in the real world haven't quite worked out that way. Our monsters have just split us even more. Um, Lieutenant B.J. Summers. Forgive me for saying the real world. I mean the other world. The past world. Uh, I'm still beaming you guys. Um, it's a mis- mistype here. And I'm trying to think. I'm still beaming you guys. Kept this show going. Oh, be- I'm still beaming. This <laughs> is not using beaming in the Star Trek sense. I'm still beaming that you guys kept this show going to the parking lot in space. It's uh, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Only podcast I get alerts if there's a new one. While DS9 is, in my opinion, top-tier Trek, season one is a bit of a drag. No outright bad episodes, just a ton of middling ones. And bad episodes are way better podcast fodder than the middlers. This is seriously my favorite, spelled in the British way, podcast, but nothing will beat your two, your two's, you two's reaction uh, to those first season TNG eps. Wild times. Having said that, the next pro- episode progress is a good one and a really good example of quality television writing in the 90s. You know, thoughtful character in conflict. Uh, duets, a late season. Uh, this episode is Chef's Kiss, kiss example of this. Looking forward to listening to you guys talking about it. Secunda, to be honest, while progress is a great episode, I can only muster paying attention to it 
half the time it's on. I was going to say, I feel like we're about to be kind of critical of this episode, BJ. So, Yeah, I feel like, you know, just, just stand clear. Um, Michael Matina says, I thought for sure the solution was going to be use all the future tech to reroute the river back to its original place. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. You know, Cisco also as the emissary could have just said, uh, the prophets are telling me to do this. I'm changing the river. (laughs) Yeah, sure. If he was an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That should be a segment. If Cisco was an asshole. Um, Tony Rideout says, Matt and Andy, this may be a random question, but random is the podcast specialty. I always assumed that DS9's promenade was like a mini Las Vegas, but it, it's almost like a mall that closes up at night. What say you find, gentlemen? That's funny. We just discussed whether or not you could walk through it continuously. Uh, and in yeah, Vegas, I those assume, things are built so you can constantly circle, right? I assume it is. is I, assume, I assume there are a share of shops that stay open all the time. You know, you can always probably get food somewhere. And, I, you know, I think it is in a lot of ways like Vegas we're not not everything in Vegas stays open 24 hours but a lot of stuff is open right there's a lot of food stalls and stuff that close but there's always a place to get food right that's sort of what I think the promenade's like well he's the expert when was the last time you were there in Vegas um you went recently right uh July maybe June June okay I mean that's recent to, I'm sure that's recently to some people that's not it's not recent to me should we have <laughs> it's gonna be a flat no should we have a contest where if somebody sees you in Vegas someone one of our one of our listeners sees you in Vegas and uh and um, and not not like for a convention or anything where you know it's like you know he's going to be there, but just like a random like oh, it's Matt, yeah. and they say hello to you that they win a queue continuum. <laughs> I would say, basically, the amount of times I've been recognized by various people in Las Vegas, I would say we would be doing a, a lot of queue episodes. <laughs> oh really? Oh, okay, yeah. never mind. Um, very good. I tried, guys. Lieutenant John Chataway, Garrick's Taylor Shop Gold Press Latinum card We'll get member. you a t-shirt that I'll write and marker on it. I saw Matt Myra in Vegas. Well, that, that sounds fair. Vegas. That's fun, right? Um, <laughs> seems a little chintzy, but that's fine. Lieutenant John Chataway, Garrick's Taylor Shop Gold Press Latinum card member, says, I am so glad I'm not the only one who ever noticed how many runabouts uh, they destroyed. Like, after how many new requests from Cisco would Starfleet finally be like, whoa, do you need additional pilot training? We're replacing them like every six months. I've rewatched DS9 probably six or seven times in the past 20 years. And in one of my first rewatches, I wrote down the name every time they lost a runabout. This was before Memory Alpha would do it for you. And I never knew until I looked it up a few months ago that the names of the runabouts were all named after Rivers. Uh, I always thought the Yangtze Kiang 
was an odd name, apparently the longest river in Asia. So I won't spoil it for Andy, but the number of run routes they go through in seven years is high. <laughs> Gil Renberg says, Andy, and Matt, should this reach his level, it's reached it. Ta-da! I'm not sure this will gain you any new listeners, but I thought you would appreciate that a Facebook friend posted a link to the Picard Season 3 trailer and tagged me, and I responded that I was only looking forward to the new season because of your podcast, and that I consider the series to be manure from which your podcast fine mushrooms grow. Uh, Just in case you also have metaphor blindness, which, come to think of it, would be a metaphorical blindness, I'll explain that this metaphor means I really do not like Picard, but appreciate that its awfulness does make your podcast better. (laughs) Make my blood pressure worse. Um, So if you want to hear us cover that week to week, it'll be in the Patreon. Um, And that is it for the Priority One messages. And now we're into the Hills proper. Oh. Captain, we are being hailed. Never mind. Um, I have one hail, and then I have a, a couple of, uh, of uh, sound hails for you. Um, so I'll read this hail in the meantime. Um, Skyrim from Jess Crack. Uh, don't know if you have mentioned this before, but as I sit here playing Skyrim on a Switch now after a, uh, a break of a decade... I encountered... Does that mean unemployed for a decade? Oh, break no, of maybe, Skyrim. Yeah, played Skyrim <laughs> for the decade. Uh, I encountered a location called Secunda's Kiss, named after the second moon over Skyrim. I shouted, Secunda! Which my daughter now thinks you were supposed to shout at a new location. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, people have sent me that with pictures from uh, now and then. And uh, I think I you're bringing this up because I mentioned... Um, Skyrim and thinking that I might I might play it I was thinking I might even get a switch for for plane rides so that it, that's like that seems like that's a great plane ride game am I wrong about that nice I would and long. assume you'd have to be connected to the oh game. is that true it's it's play a, Skyrim yeah it's an MMO oh I mean what are we gonna do I don't know what to tell you Andy which folder am I looking in here Today's sounds for this DS9 yes, episode. Yes, but which episode? Uh, episode 15. Gotcha. Thank you. Ready to go. Okay. Oh, that's so. unfortunate. So I can't play it on a plane, huh? That's too bad. I don't think there. I don't think there's an offline mode of Skyrim. Guess I'll just have to waste my non-plane life. There's other, you know, games you could get that you could play. Nah. Okay. Like what? I don't know. What's a your favorite Switch game? Do you have, you have a Switch? You must have a Switch. I do. Uh... I like um, Splinter Cell. Love all the Batman games. Love the uh, love the Spider-Man game, except for the last one, which we've discussed. I find at length. the Switch. I find the Switch hard to play. Uncomfortable controller-wise. It I does seem like it I would be. Love a Switch. It's got to be a plug-in for that, though. There are other controllers you can get, yeah. There are other, like, things you can put the Switch into that make it a little more comfortable. Yeah. But I don't... My Switch is currently sitting on the dining room table collecting dust. Dory was really into um, Animal... What's it called? Animal Farm Crossing? Farm. No, Animal Crossing is correct, yes. 
Um, a friend tried to get me into that. Uh, much as I like cute things, uh, not enough happening in that game for me. Um, the first uh, voice hail we got was from our old friend Damien from Dr- Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Brisbane. Andy, Matt, g'day, Damien from Brisbane, Australia. The Emissary? You forgot the name of the Emissary? They did. <laughs> not like it's the first name of the first episode in the first season of the first best track show. Emissary. My God, I love how your podcast just gets worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep it up. Right. Always uh, nice to hear from Damien. Um, the next one uh, is, I think, should be labeled Picard or something. Damien, uh, this week, are you putting out both bins? Let me know. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, let me read this one first. Uh, Jennifer Hurst hails us. Greetings, Matt and Andy. I was all ready to say, holy shit, I'm caught up, but y'all just downloaded... Uh, episode 14 of DS9 that I need to listen to so I'm nearly there really enjoying the discussions in pod thank you for keeping it going thoughts on DS9 read an article recently there were a couple of things uh, I felt rang true sorry Jennifer I, I, I usually don't edit but I just I tightened it up a little bit uh, DS9 rather than spending 40 minutes uh, attacking a social problem head on and having the captain deliver a clear thesis statement before the credits roll roll DS9 tends to leave the audience with room to draw on their own conclusions. This is a quote from the article. Maybe it was because I was watching DS9 when I was older, but I did like the times there was more thinking on the whys and why nots. Uh, There's another quote from the article. Deep Space Nine never surrenders to full nihilistic ethical relativism. There is always a line between right and wrong. But unlike unlike, uh, on The Next Generation, where the strict... Kantian philosopher Jean-Luc Picard sits in the captain's chair, that line is not static, unquote. Um, And Jennifer says, I enjoy when the episode would make you look at the choices thinking, that may be wrong, but for the situation, uh, well, okay. Um, And then she says, I enjoy your discussions. It makes me think about the episodes differently. I'm just too easily amused, I think, but then I'm not watching to talk slash analyze about uh, either, so there is that. One thing that you have said before, it's about DS9, that there is no real danger. But there is a difference between danger and perceived danger, though. As the audience, you could imagine it. Uh, episode 10 is an example. The players are in a game. We figure, out, uh, figure that out, but the characters don't know that. I am watching with the belief that they believe there is danger. I try to be in the moment with them, and in that way, the danger is real. Mm. Hope you are both having an amazing 2023 so far. Happy thoughts and best wishes through this year and the next, Jenny. And to I you, Jennifer. Call it amazing, Jenny. <laughs> it hasn't been amazing so far, no. <laughs> I would say it hasn't been horrible, but it, it's really definitely been a struggle so far. I'm hoping that I'm burning off all of my bad luck energy at the beginning of the year. Um, I've got I've got so much in reserve; it's not even funny. Bad luck energy. You mm-hmm. store it up just in just like in, it's just, in times yeah. of trouble in case you need to make it worse. <laughs> it's like the Kennedy grave. I've got an eternal flame of bad luck energy just <laughs> pouring out of me. Um, the only thing I would say about uh, that one episode you're referring to is that I, I think we basically say this in the pod, but 
I don't like at the end when it's like, and it was all bullshit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So even if they think it's real, then whatever. But nonetheless, your other points are valid. And it has been kind of an adjustment. So I can't imagine the adjustment it must have been um, back in the day when people were watching for there to be these sort of ambiguous endings, particularly when they were tuned to regular Trek, where it's like, and this is the point that we are making. Um, so I do admire it. It's very interesting. Um, the only thing that's, I think, become a problem, and I think it definitely sort of plays out in this episode, is they have the ambivalent ending thematically, and I feel like thus far it tends to make the story a little ambivalent. Like, well, what story are we following? Right. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, this is about uh, appropriately the episode the storyteller uh, is from Filmy Girl who says what happened to you only had one and then there were three voice ones oh you, yeah, yeah you're right uh, let's play the one no, no, I'm just like curious I'm like am I playing more or no I'm sorry I was trying to sort of s- s- curate them you're, um, you're sprinkling but it's it's sometimes it's sprinkle. a bad idea for me to curate sprinkle them away. whatever because if I curate them then I forget that I'm curating um, this one is there one that's titled Picard or something like that? Yeah, there is. Yeah, uh, let's play that one. Okay, Matt, Andy, we're a little less than a month away from Picard season three. How are you guys feeling about it? What are your expectations? Uh, I hated season one and two, mm-hmm. but God help me, I'm excited for season three and hopeful. Mm-hmm. I think I'm foolish for being hopeful, mm-hmm. especially since they wrapped production of season three before season two ended. So it's not like they heard all the fan <laughs> disappointment and course corrected or made changes. They made season three in the middle of season two. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's good. I want to love it, but fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. If I have my hopes up for season three, what the hell am I? Worse than a fool, I suppose. Fool me thrice. <laughs> Who's the more foolish? I mean, look, uh, Picard season three, the trailers have, have come out. There's been a lot of uh, positive vibes around the trailers, mostly because all of the cast that we know and love is is in it um but i don't i don't i don't know because like when i think of tng i don't think of the crew coming up against the big bad <laughs> yeah against all odds and 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 uh coming out on top after a lot of phaser fight like i don't that's not what i think of when i think of tng well, that may so, just be what they're leading with in the trailers. But, like, why? Because that's what the mass audiences are, respond to. Yeah, but, like, the mass audiences are watching Picard Season 3. They might. I mean, I watched the what Borg What they need episodes. to do is, like, put out trailers for, like... Because I, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I wouldn't be watching the third season. Uh-huh. Uh... I Even think, with the return of the original TNG crew, huh? 
I'd probably check out the first episode, to be completely honest with you, and it would have to be phenomenal for me to continue. Because uh-huh. I really liked the first episode of season two of uh-huh. Picard. Right. And we all saw the turn that took. Right. <laughs> um, I am more uh, hopeful. Is that the word? Um, than Matt. I, I am I do feel like it's a good sign and I feel like there's a lot of good press. A lot of the press could have been engineered, obviously. Um but uh just the fact that these characters are back and the characters are inherently functional and time tested <laughs> is a is a good sign. Whether they use them correctly is a separate issue. But uh I'm excited. I'm interested. I am also someone who you know, I rush headlong into love, guys. And Matt's uh, Matt's more cautious. Uh, well, I've been burned, you know, so many times. You know, I've been strangers. burned along with you. I've been watching Picard. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have the 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 attachment throughout your entire life. That is true. That, that is true. You have much more yeah. of a long term thing. Yeah, I do. Uh, I also think that there is an element of when I watch franchises from the outside. I literally can't process that they're going to make weird decisions. I'm like, well, they're definitely going to do this. They're, it's obviously where they're leaning, and then they don't do it. I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the table for you. Here's but a- look, I'm I'm very hopeful that it's good, and I don't know. In a way, I'm just like, I just want everyone to be happy. Who's, Meaning, who's, like, I want the cast, like, I want the characters to have happy lives now. <laughs> well, oh, I hope I it see. all worked out for them, you know? Well, that'll be interesting if they make big swings or they leave them all in a happy place. Um, I'm afraid of the swings. Maybe they're keeping... This isn't a spoiler, because I know nothing. Maybe they're keeping Raffi in there, because I was surprised that Raffi was still sort of in there. Um, because they're gonna fridger no longer keep her in there <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know um but like wouldn't a more fun version of Raffi be the Raffi that we saw at the beginning of season two where she's like in her Starfleet uniform and back on board a starship and like wouldn't there be wouldn't there be more fun to be had if just it, like, doing a Picard, job if it was like Picard, Riker, and Raffi, sort of Riker and Raffi are going at it. Well, maybe that's what this will be. In a fun, like, I'm a better first officer than you know I am. You know, like yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun look. But instead, I mean, look, it feels like she's the fucking hanging out on free cloud. I Having feel like, space drugs. based on the trailer, they're, drugs. They're, <laughs> they're going for a Star Trek uh, original series movies, you know, kind of like a Star Trek IIe through through four, kind of like, hey, you know the characters. They now tried we're to do two. They already tried to do two in Star Trek Nemesis. So, uh huh. I mean, whatever. It's a, it's another opportunity to to do it. I guess we'll see. Very Run soon, Adrian. We'll see very soon. Um. Okay. Uh. Let me do this. What am I doing? Did I read 
No, I haven't read this one yet. Uh, Filmy Girl says, Hey, Andy, you were dead on about this episode being boring and not activating the characters at all. I've seen it a few times, and one thing that didn't occur to me until after listening to the episode Stuck in Traffic yesterday is that if the young Tetrarch gave up the land, it would completely cut her people off from the river, uh, which was likely important to trade, fishing, irrigation, transit, and uh, etc., it would be a terrible deal to just give up access to a likely important linchpin in their economy. If you think of it that way, it makes sense why she's so reluctant to hand it over to the other tribe. She's not being obstinate for no reason, although that is how she comes off in the episode. It would have been nice to see Jake and Nog get more involved in helping her solve her diplomatic problem. The other storyline is unsalvageable and should have been jettisoned. <laughs> I've found that 90% of the TNG DS9 style plots of uh, quote, character X goes to a wacky village planet side, unquote, don't work all that well on DS9 for whatever reason. The next one you should enjoy more. It's not an all time great, but it is Kira centric and in a good way. Uh, best. Really? Yeah, it's an interesting take because I think this, this, this episode, which is, it's very strange that it comes right after Storyteller, which is another one of them going down yeah. to the planet and having a side quest is the same problem as the previous episode. Yeah, I agree. But we'll get into it. Um, then play uh, the... Uh, this is, so as Anthony Zaylor wrote us, Hey, Matt and Andy, I'm listening back to the podcast and wanted to share this clip from your Chaos on the Bridge episode. If you ever do live shows, don't forget to write and perform at least one act of a certain adaptation of a certain man's life. Keep up the great work. Uh, demoted Ensign Anthony Zaylor. And then he says, P.S. Andy, I wanted you to know. Well, I know you wanted some clips for content. Okay, so anyway. So play uh, King Roddenberry, please. Yeah, Andy, you, were, you needed to fill that content because we're only an hour into the show. I know. This is there's really... so much. There's so many layers of this, pod, of this podcast, of this documentary. But it's really, I think ultimately it's about Gene Roddenberry. Sure. Uh, and it's a fascinating period in his life where he's deteriorating. Right. Um, it's the old, it's the king trying to hang on to his kingdom. Yeah. It's it's King Lear, really. Yeah. <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Picard would turn and look in his, his book on Shakespeare and... Uh, Andy, and about. Let's, so, let's put on a King Lear production that is about... Gene oh Roddenberry. God. This is amazing and so specific, and no one will ever watch that except for the people listening to this. We could just do it at conventions. In a, we could rent a ballroom next to some convention. That would be we're, great. Putting on, we're putting on the King Lear, which is about Gene Roddenberry. Oh my God. Everyone come watch. <laughs> I really want to do that. All the dumb things that I want to do that we don't have time to do. Now we got the time, Andy. Here we are. <laughs> oh, Matt, this is where we're putting our money. Oh, boy. Rent a ballroom next to a Star Trek convention and put on a King Lear, but it's Gene Roddenberry instead of King Lear. Are there any Shakespearean companies out there listening? <laughs> and they want to do all the work and spend all the money. We're we happy to sign our name, names royal. to it. <laughs> we, only the royal, please. Only the royal Shakespeare company. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, lastly, uh, Prime Corrective from Stephen McVicker. Uh, has Andy been watching Final Space? The villain refers to the main character, Gary Goodspeed, as the Gary, which I always found funny. Every time Andy says the opaca, it makes me laugh. Uh, sideways emoji. Uh, sideways happy face. For the record, Andy, Kai is the title, as in 
Pope Francis is the Pope, not the Francis, although I'm totally on board if we all start calling him that. All the best, everybody, the Stephen. I mean, as far as people are concerned, I think he is the Francis. Yeah. The ultimate Francis. Um, I had a feeling I was getting it wrong every time I said it. But I was like, eh, how many times are people going to say Apaka in this series? Is it a lot? And guess what? I didn't correct you because it sounded fine to me. Um, if you would like to send us a hail, send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the subject heading somewhere. Um, if you'd like to tweet at Matt, please tweet at Matt Myra or Instagram him there. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda. Our Instagram and our um, Twitter is at Star Trek TNC. And if you'd like to send a voice hail, send it to 816 Trek T. And see. That's it for the hail bag. Well, here we are, finally, into the show. Everyone's excited? I hope so. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Hi, we're going to talk about this week's episode, which is progress. Could you believe it? We've made progress in this episode to finally get to this point. It aired the 9th of May, 1993. Andy, what's happening out there? The number one song is... Let's listen to the number one song in the UK. Well, I'll, 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 I'll let you choose. The number one song in the UK is Five Live by George Michael and Queen with Lisa Stansfield. number one alternative song is Regret by New Order. I don't know any of those songs. Neither so do whatever. I. So you choose. What's it called? Live, Live by George Michael and Queen. Sounds pretty promising. Lisa Stansfield. What? Five, five Live. Did I say five? five? The number five. Uh, Live. It spells out five. I don't know. Like the Yardbirds? Or two separate know. words, five live. Unless this is a mistype. No, no, it, it is. It is correct. Thank you very much. This song is one of my favorites. It's called "Somebody to Love." Oh, no, five live is apparently the second song. That I, I don't know. <laughs> well, regret by New Order is the other one. <laughs> an EP named Five, The Five Live. Oh, The Five Live is an EP. The Five being Queen and George Michael. Lisa Stansfield and maybe two others? One, two, three, four, five. That's the five of them. And Somebody to Love was the song. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So... Anyway, whatever. Next thing. This really bummed him out. Uh, number one song in the U.S. was That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Number one movie, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, number one TV show that week, Home Improvement. Births that week, Miranda Cosgrove from iCarly and Halston Stage from the Orville. Uh, events. Uh, the character of Judy on Family Mam- Matters makes her last ever appearance before disappearing and never being mentioned <laughs> again. <laughs> um, Time Magazine cover, Ascent of a Woman, Hillary Clinton. Uh, clever play on 
scent of a woman. And then we have an Elsewhere in Trek. Elsewhere in Trek. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Sorry for doubting you there, Matt. Um, on May 10th, TNG aired Suspicions. It's the episode where Beverly Crusher returns from a conference and takes a day trip to Autopsy Fantasy Camp. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it wasn't paired with Battle Lines uh, or Berman and company could have had You Thought They Were Dead Week. You Thought <laughs> They Were Dead Week. Um, anyway, soon after thereafter, Worf traveled to the Boreth Monastery to get some chicken soup. For the Klingon soul. Mm-hmm. Also, according to the o- Okuda's Star Trek chronology, around this time, an ex-Starfleet cadet named Seska joined the Maki. Maki? <laughs> Maki. Maki? We'll figure it out. Uh, thank you, Andrew. You're welcome, Matt. That's it. For the This Week in Trek, we're going to talk about Progress, episode 15 of season one. Written by Peter Allen Fields and directed by Les Landau. And here's what Memory Alpha says the plot is. Kira leads the evacuation of a Bajoran moon, which is being converted into a massive power plant that will render the entire surface uninhabitable. But an old farmer refuses to leave. Back to the station. Sorry, back on the station, Jake and Nog set out to turn an inordinate amount of seemingly worthless condiments into profit. That is a that is an interesting meanwhile. Don't you think like I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out here. Don't you think a fully habitable moon would be more valuable than a power plant? I mean, apparently not. Apparently power is the big issue. I'm just saying, like, you know, Bajoran there's a habitable moon and there's only one three people are living on it I don't know did they did they figure out Genesis technology by that point no I didn't think they terraformed the planet but I know I'm saying but did they figure it out because if that's the case then no land is that valuable they can just terraform mm. anywhere interesting now what am I supposed to do with 5,000 rapages of Cardassian yamak sauce they're the only ones who could stomach that swill hey no are you gonna play or what you ordered it, you're going to pay for it. I'm going to take half your paycheck every week for the next six years. From now on, no more Cardassian food in here. Ever. Come on, Nog, it's your turn. 5,000 rapages. That's a lot of yamak sauce. Look, either take your turn or I win. It'd be a shame to let it go to waste. That's it. Game over. Jake! I'm getting that tingling in the lobes. And when a lobe tingles, it means only one thing. Opportunity. What are you talking about? I'm talking about gold press latinum. We seem to be going to the well a lot here with Jake and Nog. I mean, we're doing a lot of things over and over again. Going to the planet and having some weird little thing. Side quest. Going to Jake and Nog. It's very interesting. I was was very surprised. Huh? I said, which one's the side quest? You know, I think the I think the plot of this episode is Jake and Nog set out to turn an inordinate amount of seemingly worthless condiments into profit. That's the A story to me. I mean, 
I was saying Kira's is the side quest because it's off the ship, but I guess it is DS9 business, so it's not a side quest. It just feels like a side quest because it feels completely clerical. Yeah. But I was shocked that there was another episode that doesn't really spend much time on Cisco. That's true. Magma pressures remain constant. Differential subsurface movement is at 0.3%. Is that good? They'd tell you if it weren't. Oh, uh, why is that red light blinking? We're in normal standby mode. Oh, I take it then we're not expecting any surprises. We don't like surprises any more than you do. Minister Turan, these people are professionals. Forgive my bureaucratic nitpicking, Major, but we're counting on Jaredel's energy to heat a few hundred thousand Bajoran homes this winter. You know what they didn't get right about the future? <laughs> what? Those all the controls there. Yeah, they would have replaced the UI completely with Federation layout. Because you got to assume all the touch screens are touch screens that yeah. can have buttons configured any which way you'd like. I see. But they're keeping the Cardassian layout. So they the just Cardassian like writing when they probably could have just hit a button and switched it over to Federation. I mean, the question part. is, you know, in the in the progress from from discovery to to uh strange new worlds or or tos like did something happen where everything became analog and people just stuck with it in terms of control panels well these are all touch screens right and therefore and therefore how easy is it for them interface would be switchable i would assume but that's me now talking about it. Like, I can do my own layout on my iPhone. Are they touch screens? I guess is my question. Yeah. Aren't they? I mean, they touch them, but are they easily changeable? You're saying it's like it's a screen that you that, can just I'm change the they're thing. They're so good at like predicting the future. I guess I'm not, I'm not inter, I'm, I understand what you're saying by touch screen. I guess I'm saying it is a panel that is sort of has the sensitivity of a touch screen, but is set. It's not. It's not a. It's just. It's not just a, an image of buttons. That's what you think is the case. Well, if that's the case, then sure. But also, maybe there is a. Maybe there's a diplomatic aspect that they're like. Look, I'm just nitpicking because they don't want Starfleet coming discuss. in and making it all look like Starfleet stuff. Yeah, but like everybody's got to learn the and like. Do you think the Do you think the Bajorans enjoy having to use Cardassian tech all the time? I mean, that, that is also a Come on. Yeah. We're due to make our next inspection. By the way, this uh, this guy, this this character here, that I consider to be like that's a that's a right down the middle like character that I that I would have liked to have I feel like would have been in my wheelhouse. Just the the Weasley officious kind of sort of argumentative. Interesting. You're side character Weasley on that guy. I'm saying that's who I can play. I'm not saying that's oh, who I, I see. am. You'd be you'd be bringing some flavor to it. Exactly. That would make him a little funnier. Gotcha. Delta reads clear of life forms. Lorna, are you serious? Beginning scan of grid screen. Oh, I want to go back. Listen to this Morn story because this is. What'd you say? Interesting in the Morn story. Busy. Good. But you know those seven or eight little no, wiry hairs you that skipped come over out of it. his forehead well, she says Lauren asked her on a date what, what is with you You're, it's, it's, we're playing clips P- play the clip of her talking about Morn. I don't she, she, you missed a sentence oh fine uh, the, uh, this this to me is uh, an interesting 
perspective. Anyway, so there I was sitting in Quarks when Morn just comes over to me and invites me for dinner. Grid square 12 Delta reads clear of life forms. Morn, are you serious? Beginning scan of grid square 15 Delta. So what'd you say? I said I was busy. Good. But you know those seven or eight little wiry hairs that come out of his forehead? What? Well, they make him look kind of cute. Oh, that's odd. Sensors read a humanoid presence in so, Delta. We've seen almost nothing of the Dax character, even though we've had a couple of episodes already, like, focused on her. I one feel like was we're... even called Dax. Huh? I said one episode was even called Dax. I know. And it's like, it's always... And I realize part of the problem in the way I see it is that because of this split between the symbiont and uh, Jadzia, it's, like, never clear whose personality is whose or whose personality we're following or even what they make as a personality together. And uh, that's probably because they haven't made that that many. They sort of leaning into her being kind of, uh, I don't know if a Mary Sue is the right way of saying it, but like someone who's just like, she's efficient, she's competent, she's moral, um, and that's it. isn't clear whether she has interest in anyone romantically. It isn't clear whether she has strong opinions about stuff other than sort of ethically. Um, And it's like, this is, to me, this is the first moment of her telling a story about Morn that's sort of an interesting story of someone hitting on her and showing, saying no to him or them. and, uh, And also kind of admitting that she was sort of attracted to Morn. Which, by the way, I don't know if Kira's being a specious because she's saying, like, are you serious, Morn? It's like, I don't know. Why well, is we it don't that? know. What, what's Morn's behavior off-screen? You know, I see. A, you think that's what Kira's like? What that, if he's a cad? You know, what if what if, what if if Morn's always uh, pinching people in the butt? Right. And uh, he's a harasser. Horrible drunk. Right. And that's you think that's what yes. Kira's saying. When I she's don't like, think that personally, <laughs> but I'm just presenting a what if. So I guess I'm I'm interested even in this moment as someone who knows very little to nothing about this character. I'm interested even in that moment, and maybe this is just a pointless question to ask. Um, but whether that is Dax, that's kind of flirtatiously going like, I don't know, kind of like the, the hairs on his head, or whether that is Jadzia. Or that is, you know, you could argue, well, well that's who I mean, they what are you're forgetting together. is there's other, there's other symbionts in there. You know, there's other hosts, rather. Right, right, right. Mixed in there, too. So, like, you know, when the, ne- when the Dax, when the Dax symbiont leaves Jadzia and ends up in another trill, mm-hmm. then you'll have Jadzia's personality in there, too. Right, do you know what I mean? But so then the that, mix, the mix is like it's just you're. It's just so many different things are happening inside of a, 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 a trill host. It sort of raises a it raises a, a writing question or a mm-hmm. storytelling question that you don't often deal with, um, which is if you're presenting a character the way you're describing then it's like, well, who are you presenting? Like, what decisions are you making about that character? Because that is kind of 
I think the heart of getting us involved and interested in a character and their story. And it's like, you're sort of saying, I don't know, they could be a lot of different little ingredients here and there. And it's not like, oh, they have different sides. Well, I'm saying, what I'm saying is like, you're, it's the, it's nurture versus nature, right? So you're dealing with a lot of nurture. Like her personality is derivative of all of these beings, including herself. Well, I guess thus yet, that moment where she's kind of, you know, in a in a in a mischievous way saying she she likes Morn is the first mm-hmm. moment I've seen of any personality at all. <laughs> that she's right. like doesn't give a shit what anybody else thinks. Well, that's just also the that's just down to the they haven't really they haven't really known how to write her yet. Right. Besides the fact that she's a trill, like they haven't given Terry Farrell anything to do. Right. Um very interesting. Could be one of the project thermologists. Not in 15 Delta. Look for yourself. All the inhabitants were supposed to be evacuated by now. Well, I better beam down there. Take a look around. I also like just having a scene between them. You don't really... You Ready seen to transport. I won't be long. Just getting a little bit of their dynamic. That's an interesting aside, too. I won't be long. <laughs> it's true. She flat out... No one asked. <laughs> just seems so... It just seems so hard. Like, it seems accusatory. Like... Like Jedzia was going to say, "Oh, you're gonna here you go." <laughs> like she sighed like loudly, cu- yeah, <laughs> cutting him off at the fucking at the pass here. Going, I won't be long. I feel like it's cocky. I feel like she's like, "Yeah, I can wrap this up. I'll get these dirt bags off the planet." Sadly, she takes her quite a long time to wrap things up. It really does. Neither do I, but uh, it comes with the job. Which is. Do we talk or do they attack? You're halfway pretty. Does that mean I can come in? No. No, I don't like uniforms either. I'm scared of them. See, we had our fill of uniform bullies. I'm no Cardassian. Mm. You know you were supposed to be out of here by now. All I know is this farm girl. Now you want proof, just look at my crop. I'd rather you didn't call me girl. It's mostly caterpod beans, but you won't find better caterpods. My father always said, you get bigger caterpods when you spray in some chlorobicrobes. Is that right? Well, that could be. Your family's farmers then. No, but if I don't get on your good side soon, my arm's going to fall off. Yeah, pretty eyes like yours deserve a meal. You come on in. I'm afraid we don't have time. Look, obviously you were overlooked in the general evacuation. I gotta get you out of here. We'll talk about that over supper. Come on. Um, it's interesting they don't cast more people of Brian Keith's ilk, just sort of these giants from old Hollywood. Um, I guess they have, but... Uh, I don't know, seeing him, it really does sort of reveal to me, like, oh my God, this is perfect casting. And I really, 
I mean, I've always appreciated Brian Keith, but um, just casting someone who's such a just complete pro at the old school Western character and just slipping him in here. And I assume it's both directed and his choice to just do it like, I'm just doing it like one of these characters. There's no wink. There's no spin. This is it. It's one of the most grounded effortless performances I think I've ever seen in a Trek episode. And it really highlights everyone else in the episode being in more of the TV slot of, I'm doing my character and I'm saying my lines. And he's just so casual and effortless and charming. And it's just really, it's one of the most impressive performances in a, in a Star Trek show I've ever seen. Uh, he's great. He's a pro. Uh, I wish he wasn't in such a boring episode. I agree. <laughs> all right, so now they're... Uh, we, of course, of course, all remember him from Hooper. Family affair! <laughs> my my, uh, my gnome for something big is Hooper. <laughs> Buy some yamak sauce for me, boy. You're wasting your time. I'm not carrying any. Uh, we're not buying we're selling. Yeah, 5,000 wrappages of it. Original, not replicated. Where would you two boys get all that yam sauce? Oh, we have connections. 5,000, you say? And they could be yours for, say, uh, five bars of gold-pressed latinum. That's a lot of latinum. That's a lot of yamak sauce. Look, I'm not carrying any latinum, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade you something for it. We were counting on latinum. Uh, hold on. What would you trade? I'll give you a hundred gross of self-sealing stem bolts. Some Bajoran ordered them from me and now he can't pay. Self-sealing stem bolts? Top-grade merchandise. You won't find a better stem bolt in this sector. I don't think so. We deal strictly in latinum. Dog, are you sure? What are we going to do with stem bolts? What are we going to do with Yamak sauce? Good question, right? I do like this plot. I agree with you 100%, particularly since the other plot is so lame. Uh, Not lame, but just sluggish. Um, That I was like, this is the other plot? But... By the end, that this plot kind of won me over. It's kind of like they were really they wanted something very badly. They were really working hard to figure it out. They weren't being idiots. Also, usually a lot of the the Nog Jake antics are like them being dopes, and they were kind of making smart moves the whole time. Uh, I mean, I, within the information they had, I kind of wish it had like another couple of steps to it after the end. Bef- well, or yes, I the wish end. there was like a little denouement with the with with Quark. Yes, I agree with that. that. Um, but also, I wish there was like one or two more trades they had they had to make. Right, or or you know you know, you know what it re- I was like I was like this escalating like this like to me was like hilarious in the sense of like oh it's one of those like I turned a paperclip into a house. You're a hundred percent trading and trading. This is, I mean, we're getting ahead of it here, but th- I agree with you. And I think that would have helped it. And I think what would have helped it is if there was some, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a life threat, but some threat of, oh boy, Quark is going to find out and be enraged. 
um, Cisco is going to find out and be like, you, you really screwed this situation on DS9 up with all of your trading, or suddenly there's, uh, you know, whatever whatever item they trade for next is causing a huge stink in one of the, you know, it's funny because like sections. the way that they set this, the way they set the story up, like. At the top of this, I'm like, oh, I hope they keep trading a bunch of stuff. And then they do that scene with with O'Brien. Right. And I think the story's going to take a left turn and no longer be about them trading up. Right. But that's like a... That's a nothing. Yeah, story. he's just sort of that saying... That story beat is just like... This thing that you suspected was useless is useless. Yes. And then they put their heads together and go, oh, well, the guy who originally wanted it must still want it. And I guess that's probably because they were looking for a scene for O'Brien to do because he's light in the episode. But it's sort of like, all right, well, you're not moving the story forward <laughs> in that right. moment because they already had that information that they could have traded it to that guy. They had that at the beginning. That's a man on an empty stomach. Wouldn't think of it. Well, that's good because these roots are going to take three hours to soften. What? You wouldn't want to eat your roots hard now, would you? I'm in no hurry. Kira to Ganges. This is Dax. Are you all right? A man with a talent for delay has just invited me to a farewell supper here. You go on. I'll have one of the thermologists bring me back. Enjoy supper. Dax out. Got a date with Morn. Hey, wash it off first, and then you scrape your skin off. That's that, that, that was the part where I was like, well, that's, he's truly just fucking with her. Because why would you wash it and then peel it? That's a good point, man. Maybe just that's saying. This is, maybe that's, like, this guy really knows how to waste some fucking time. Maybe that's how the the vegetables work on that planet. <laughs> on that moon, you mean? That moon. Sorry. The good girl, would you? That cupboard right over there. That's no planet. That's a moon. I know that reference. I switched up the words. You know, you look That's real no good planet. That's angle. a moon station. <laughs> but you know something? You walk like a carnivorous rastapod. Now look. Made up word, word we know. Not word we know. You're Made trying up word. to make me mad. How am I doing? Not well enough to get rid of me. Damn. Well, what do they call you, dear? I'm Major Kira. I'm in charge of evacuating all... Your given name. Narice. Narice. Their first names and their last names. It makes well, no Reese sense. Well, and these roots are really going to take three hours to cook, so you might as well just sit down and relax yourself, child. It's going to be tasty. Kind of could go for that meal right now. Look at that lighting. So nice. Malabak, they began tapping the core of this moon in seven days. I know. You are only three people. This project is going to benefit thousands, hundreds of thousands. I made myself unconcerned with that 40 years ago. When I escaped from a Cardassian labor camp on your precious Bajor. Bajor. What we're trying to create now is what you weren't allowed to have then. It can be your Bajor, too. This is where I live. This is my home. You can have a home on Bajor. With people. 
to welcome you and your friends. Anyway. <laughs> it's this a lot. It goes on and on. It's a and lot. On. And I think that is... It's interesting. It almost... Ha- it's interesting they also cast Brian Keith because he's from the era where they would put on basically staged plays or variations of stage or shows written for television that were stage plays basically and have scenes like this in black and white just like people talking and the drama plays out and it's very slow and it's just like that's what they're doing and they're doing it well but it's like what's happening this is it there are no more turns in this story um Remember when they need when Data has to get everybody to leave the settlement has to he, eva- he has to evacuate the settlement. Yep. And he blows up the aqueduct with a phaser. <laughs> I don't remember that part, but yes. And that's how he gets them to leave. <laughs> Is that what he does? That's crazy yes. thinking about this episode. <laughs> yeah. I guess she basically lands there at the she end. She basically does it. I mean, she basically is like, well, I'll blow up this fucking kiln that you needed to have built for some sort of weird closure. I don't know if this is... And then I'll burn your house to the ground. Yeah, I don't know if this is the question to address here. What? What is the... I mean, I appreciate the, the hail we had. It sort of says this show is about sort of ambivalent thematic landing points. But what is the... Like, what is Brian Keith's character's, what's his, what's the journey? He's like, basically almost pushing with her, and they're kind of, in a quirky way, having these conversations where it's like, you know, he's tricking her into admitting that they would do anything that they had to do to win, or that they were fanatics, and that was the right way, and he's sort of hanging on to his guns, because he's not backing down in what he perceives to be injustice and an oppressive force. Uh, but it's like, then at the end, it's just kind of like, well, I'm going to burn your house down. So it's like, what's the what's the landing point? What's the message? What is his arc? I don't know that he has one. I thought at the end he was going to be kind of like, all right, well, then you destroyed my house and now I'm staying here and I'm going to die. Goodbye. Right. That was kind of his position the whole time. Although I guess she just beams him up against his will is the idea at the end. <laughs> Which even that is unclear. Kicking and screaming. You know, I was trying to find some storage space for the shipment of low-carb beans that are due in tomorrow. Is it okay if I stack them on top of the yamak sauce? If I can reach that high. Please don't talk to me about yamak sauce. Do you want me to get rid of it? Uh, I could take it to the matter reclamation unit. Anything. Just get it out of my sight. You're, you're a good boy. That's very sweet. I appreciate that. Um, I also wonder. It's sort of. It's a little bit off character for Quark to. I think he should have. I think that that should have been pulled from this part of the episode and put at the end. I agree that there's a moment where Quark realizes that Nog has pulled off, has made, you know, a failure into profit. Mm-hmm. That that should have been a much bigger reaction of like, oh my gosh, 
Yeah. I got a real live wire on my hands here. This like kid's something special. You look like you special. don't take after your father after all. Yeah, I think something 100%. And it's interesting in an episode where there's so much sluggishness and non-action, you're 100% right that it's like, don't they spend more time on that? Yeah. These motherfuckers. Whatever <laughs> I need to start. They're all very talented. Life. But like they're inherently like doing nothing wrong now. Yes. Now that they've asked for the, for the sauce and Quark's like, whatever you want, get rid of it. Who cares? Right. Now they're just now they're actually just trading, you know. Which I liked. I liked that he kind of manipulated Quark into just saying, "Get rid of it." Oh, I don't know if I said this already. Is it off character that Quark doesn't is giving up that easily on a possible item that he failed on and not finding some profit? Mm. Anyway, no, because he gets it paid for anyway by taking out the money out of uh, Rom's checks. I see. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, I forgot what my other point was. So, so he's not coming out of it with a loss, so he doesn't care. He's still annoyed though that he lost. Yeah, in terms of the face off, the profit face off. I fear you overpowered the crew yourself. That was only six of them. That was fortunate for me because I was somewhat weakened by the captivity and starvation. Anyway, here I was. The first person ever to settle on this moon. And the only trouble was that I didn't have any kind of farm implements. So, once again, Starvation and I were staring each other in the face. Mm. I'm not boring you. No, no, I, I, I want to hear who won. Ah, well, it was mind over matter. Every 26 hours, I just tighten up my waist belt another notch, and that way my belly didn't know that it was shrinking. Excuse me? You ask me to tell you how I got started here, which I'm very politely trying to do. Now, will you kind of let me finish? I assume you found some food before you ran out of belt notches. Are you telling the story or am I? By all means. I can't wait to hear how it ends. Obviously. It's, um, it's not clear what the scene is. It's, 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 I think it's just more about his character. But is it like old man telling a tall tale, or is it like yeah. no, that's what he actually did? I think it's old man, t- old man telling a tall tale. And so then that would go in the box of like it's him endearing himself more to Kira. But it's so many words to do it. Yeah, I think it's also like he's wasting more time, right? I guess. But if that's the fucking driving, like. That's the driving force behind this episode is how much of our time can they waste? And the answer is 44 minutes. (laughs) (sighs) So that's a stem bolt. A self-sealing stem bolt. There's a difference. You're sure about that? What's important is that it's top-grade merchandise. You can't get a better stumble in the sector. And we have a hundred gross of them. Wasn't Jake the one pushing this? Why is he being all Excuse down me, on this plan now? Anyone know what this cargo's doing here? Good point. It belongs to my Uncle Quark. They're stumbles. Will you do me a favor and tell your uncle we're getting a little weary of him bypassing import procedures? I'll certainly do that, sir. It's just that my Uncle Quark really needed some stumbles. You mean self-sealing stem bolts? That's right. That's it. 
self-sealing stem bolts. Well, he sure needs a lot of them. It's top-grade merchandise. You can't find a better stem bolt in, in the sector. Oh, I don't doubt it. What does he need them for? Uh, the usual. The usual? Well, you know. Why does anybody use self-sealing stem bolts? I thought this I was clever. Have. I've never used them. Uh, never? In what I've sense? never even seen one. Nog didn't know what you use self sealing stem bolts, and he didn't want to admit it. And so he says, uh, you know, the usual, just to see if, if O'Brien will tell him what it's used for. Oh, I guess I that's. saying the usual is in, like, let's end this conversation. Well, the I guess this the purpose of this scene is to imply maybe there's no use for self stealing stem bolts and they've been screwed, but they don't really go all the way down that road. Right, because they immediately think of the solution of contacting whoever wanted them in the first place. I would have bet anything that he would have known what they were. I told you, we should have asked that freighter captain. Wait, I know who could tell us what self-sealing stem bolts are. The Bajoran who ordered them in the first place. His name's gotta be on the shipping codes. I like that Nog is good at his thing, that he's a good Ferengi. Circo Chano. It has his address and everything. You think he'll be mad that we have his stem bolts? He couldn't afford them, remember? But we'll offer to sell them to him at a discount. Yes, a discount. (laughs) (laughs) About you. Is he alone? I think Minister Tehran is in there with him. Can I ask you something about Morn? I just really messed up about this thing. I don't understand. There were 47 other people living on that moon. They all left willingly. How do we know? All we know is that they obeyed the order to leave. And so will these people. You haven't met Malabak. Is there anything you can offer that might make him more willing to leave? Not a thing, believe me. Would a postponement help? Give us time to work something out with him. We can't postpone. And if he stays, he'll be committing suicide. We'll have to beam him off the surface. If we take him like that, we'll be killing him. I refuse to allow three stubborn holdouts to jeopardize a project that will benefit so many of our people. I am sorry, Major. If there was anything else that we could do, we'd have done it. But there is another way. We can tap the core using phased energy retrieval. I thought we'd agreed phased energy retrieval would take too long. It would mean waiting a full year before we can extract any meaningful amount of energy. I wish we had the time to be more delicate, but we don't. So instead, we'll act like Cardassians. Easy, Major. I like that. I resent that. It's obvious to me that you've developed a feeling for this man. Fine, I can accept that. But if you're not comfortable... I'm glad that uh, Taran can accept that she's developed a feeling. (laughs) I can accept that. But what I can't accept... (laughs) It is very interesting. (laughs) I don't want to ask you to accept that. It's interesting they have that turn that he's... It's almost being reasonable that it's like... But the other thing is, this is where you get muddy. If it's like, we need the power, I guess this is sort of going back to it being ambivalent. We need the power to help all these people. There's no other way. Then it's like, all right, well, it's this guy and is being obstinate over all these other people. But that's not what it is. It's like, well, we could take a longer time. But there's not enough time. That's too long. And it's like... Well, we don't know what we don't know anything about the specifics. Who's right? So therefore it's hard for us to have a a strong 
feeling about who's right in terms of the interaction between Kira and uh, Mullabuck? Is that his name? <laughs> Brian Keith. Keith. Me too. I like the door. They got good doors on Bajor. Don't make us take you by force. Might as well call it Bay Door, right? <laughs> I promise you, it won't be so bad. You can plant whatever you want to on Bajor. Stay by yourself if you want to. That's fine. Take some seeds with you for those terrible roots of yours I had to eat. Just listen to reason. No, they weren't good. Listen to yourself, maybe. Tell me what you hear. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you sound like a two-headed Malgorian I knew when I was a boy. You ever try to talk to a two-headed Malgorian? This is no time for one of your stories. So the thing with two-headed Malgorians is it can never figure out what it really wants to do, and that can be very confusing, believe me. You know, eventually you're going to have to stop talking and deal with this. And the trouble with my Malgorian friend... I, I don't know why I'm playing this. It's just, like, more nonsense. I mean, I guess this this thing is the theme of the episode because it's more about Kira than it is about the, the, the whatever, the diplomatic plot or whatever you want to call it that they're trying to work out, uh, that it's about her being pulled in two directions her prior self that was even that is a little bit vague and when you get to the speech at the end from from Cisco I understand they're touching on it that it's like she roots for the underdog she fights for the underdog she was a fanatic and now she's the person in uniform who's imposing she's not the underdog anymore so I understand but it gets a little bit fuzzy because she is working for Bajor and the Bajorans. So Look, I thought it was funny when that lady stabbed the other guy. <laughs> that was a bad security guard. He couldn't overpower this old lady. Fine. I'll pack your things myself. Major! Like, they're crazy! This man just stuck me with a bone implement the guy. and Wasn't she the attacked lady. me from behind! Let her go! Stop! <laughs> really, really flips out. Yeah, it's a, like a switch we didn't know he had there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a phaser to the chest, which uh, yeah, it's always fun. What did it just stun him? What was it set to? Why did she freak out? If like you it use it on an old to, man, is it is It, it was set to heart to? attack, I think. <laughs> then stumbled, now dissipate, and still no profit. We're getting closer. I can feel it. You can? I think so. He should have said, in my lobes. We'd have to see proof that you own the land. Naturally. You'll get the transmission on that by 1,200 hours. You just bought yourself some stem bolts. Land. Dirt. Uh, Just rest. Short side of Harangi. Land is the best thing to have. Another unit. That is very strange Dr. that Julian the Frankies don't value land, or is it just Nog doesn't know yet? There's no I way, know. unless it's like I say, Starfleet. in the future, because Major of the Genesis Kira's device, sentry. land is kind of uh, the least valuable item. Yeah, not when you got four miles of promenade to walk. Who needs land when you got that much promenade? You're dead, huh? You're backwards, Nurice, I told you. 
With me unconscious, she could have swept us all off of here with no trouble at all. My friends, Alterm and Kena? They've been evacuated to Bejo. I'll be taking you back to our station so I can... No. I stay here. He refuses to leave. Really? Well, he's got to be cared for. I'm going to take him without his permission. No, you're not. Well, he needs close attention. I'll be here. There's no medical facility here. Leave the instructions. Whatever medication you think you'll need. I'm going to do some masonry. Removed her uniform tunic and started building. Well, Doctor, right now she stands a pretty good chance of being out of uniform permanently. I'm going to tell Minister Tehran that she's remained temporarily on Gerardo at your request. But, sir, that isn't true. Make it true, Doctor. Now, please. Commander. I'd advise that Major Kira remain on Girado for humanitarian reasons. How long? The next day or two. For the next day or two, sir. Thank you, Doctor. I'll consider that request. <laughs> Dismissed. That's some good Cisco. In that right is there. some good Cisco. I enjoy that. I wish there was more of it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they still don't know what happens here. So it's like she's staying again, and it's the same story beat. Oh, he was saying right. no before. Well, now she's going to stay. It's like, what's... Yeah. What do you want? I'm here to see Major Kira. Well, she didn't want to see you. Neither do I. Wait a minute. Don't speak for me. You know, you're causing a lot of trouble. I can't tell you how delighted I am to hear that. How many of you federated uniforms are you going to send after me? 40? 50? I don't think it'll come to that. Well, that depends on how bad you want to get rid of me. Mr. Mullerbach, I'm here because I'm concerned about my first officer. Oh, what about her? By staying here, she's jeopardizing her career. Would you go back to bed? Wait a minute. I didn't I'll realize I was... to do. Major. Helping you jeopardize your career. That changes everything. I'm a career man. I only work on a farm because no, no other careers here. <laughs> what? Can I see you outside for a minute? <laughs> Talk to him as long as you want. Why don't you tell him the story about your tree? Be quiet. There was this big, ugly tree. Uh, Go on. Never mind. Such weird dialogue. It's like I liked it. Brian Keith is fucking nailing it. I like the interaction, but in an episode where so little happens, what is that moment? Other than Brian Keith kind of being charming and and acting well, and and Avery Brooks also playing back and forth nicely. Um, I couldn't tell you. He he starts to he starts starting to make fun of her. And then he's like, eh, whatever. And I kind of like that as that character. I think it's funny to have in a Star Trek show where everything's always driving forward, have a character that's kind of 
like off topic and meanders in dialogue and it's mostly like performance moments but not an episode where the whole story is him can you scoot back for just a second to 1409 because there was a uh, 14 I just want to get it in that there's a there's a uh, the the extra sitting next to uh, Jake <laughs> oh is, I noticed her this is not it looks like because they looks like they're in a, a plane. They're, it looks like they're on the same plane. Yes. So it looks like she is looking directly at him. Oh, she definitely is. I am certain she is. I thought she was talking to someone off screen. No, she's trying to be part of the scene. This lady is not a graduate of the Andy Secunda <laughs> School specific you acting. You think she's trying to be part of the scene? 100%. Because the moment before... She's kind of like, well, I'm reacting to what's going on. Oh, he's pumping his fist. Okay. Just get it out of my sight. Let's see here. We'll take a look. Yeah, she says goodbye to that guy. Right. So she's like, okay, so that character said goodbye. That now she's got gone. nothing to do. And now I'm going to slide in here. Ooh. Maybe she thinks, maybe here's what's in her head. Okay. There's finally an open seat at the bar. Jake's been waiting for it. Uh-huh. He pumps his fist because there's an open seat at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what her and choice she, of what the character she's is thinking, thinking. And she's thinking, oh god, I shouldn't have said goodbye to my friend so quickly. I get this kid now. <laughs> you're, you're laying a lot on her. That uh, I don't know. That I think she's just like I'm part of the scene. Why would he? <laughs> my character at this point would go. Why is he pumping his fist? <laughs> we need movement. That's why my friend left. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Oh, we were here. Oh, yeah. Can we go back and hear a little bit of of his speech to her? Because I find this also confusing. I guess I've already covered it a little bit. Slightly, Slightly before that. Simple. I'm seeing of having to break in a new one. You have a job to do here, Major, and you're not doing it. It's not that simple. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm saying it can't wait. Look, I understand you used to sympathizing with the underdog. You spent your life fighting to overcome impossible odds, just like he's doing. But you have to realize something, Major. You're on the other side now. Pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? It's awful. So, I guess why I'm confused is... There's two things. One thing is, you're on the other side. What are the sides? I understand one side is she's fighting for the underdog, but is the other side negative? It seems like both sides have their positives. Yeah, I think what this show is trying to tell you is that there are good people on both sides. Is that what it's trying to tell That's us? That's the thesis statement of this show and the Trump administration. <laughs> and are <laughs> And are we trying to is like what is the perspective of the show on Brian Keith's position? 
He's got to go. I don't know. I feel like it's supposed to sympathize with Brian Keith's position, too. Of course. Beyond just that it's sad to leave your home planet. But it's not... I guess the, the specifics of... Well, we could do we could keep him there, but we'd have to do this a longer way, and that being unacceptable is not clear. Like no, this, no, no, it, because no, no, it's no, all sci-fi no, no, stuff. No, 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 the longer way was just to delay it. I see, and that wasn't a that that's, wasn't a he can stay there if we do it the longer way. It right. was let's give him another year. Maybe he dies on his own, or we can convince him to leave. Oh no, I didn't interpret it that way. I interpreted it as we can actually allow him to stay on the planet if we do this other way that the other way is going to take a year to get the same amount of power that we would get from doing it immediately. I interpreted it the other way which is it'll give you more time to get him off the planet. Go back to the scene. I I don't know that there's a clear answer that it was either. I feel like there is. Um, it was in the second Malabak scene here. Post that. No, I think it's yeah that guy. It's here. Yeah. Is there anything you can offer that might make him more willing to leave? Not a thing, believe me. Would a postponement help? Give us time to work something out with him. We can't postpone. And if he stays, he'll be committing suicide. We'll have to beam him off the surface. If we take him like that, we'll be killing him. I refuse to allow three stubborn holdouts to jeopardize a project that will benefit so many of our people. I am sorry, Major. If there was anything else that we could do, we'd have done it. But there is another way. We can tap the core using phased energy retrieval. I thought we'd agreed phased energy retrieval would take too long. It would mean waiting a full year before we can extract any meaningful amount of energy. I wish we had the time to be more delicate, but we don't. So instead, we'll act like Cardassians. Easy, Major. I think you're right. I think you're right. Hooray! Uh, I was going by the line. Ha <laughs> right Secunda! What? Okay, yeah. you win. All right, who's I the did MVC? it! I did it! <laughs> who's the MVC? I am. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, but then the other thing is, but that seems extra stupid. Then because you're telling me that there's this planet that has inha- this, this moon that has inhabitable land on it, right? And they evacuated the whole. That place. hang on, that if you wait a year, you still have a moon that has inhabitable space on it, <laughs> and you get energy. <laughs> and the Jorans are like, no, no, we need the energy now. You're really a land baron in this episode. <laughs> well, it's fucking stupid. It's fucking dumb. It doesn't make any sense. Like, don't give don't give the outs in the story if you powers... want me to respect these this government body. Well, this is that is my point. Is I don't understand if they're saying there's another way, it and it's not like clear why what the pressure is in, in time other than this 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 bureaucrat wants it faster. That's it. It seems like that's it. I mean, I Which sort makes of in- this episode is extra stupid, right? And I sort of interpret Cisco saying it can't wait as, I mean, unless we're going to say Cisco is such a company man that he's like they they're telling us it can't wait. But I feel like that's implying well, there there's reasons we really need that power that will benefit people immediately. Yeah, I like oh god, if we don't get that power, there's going to be thousands of people that are going to die. Right, but that's never stated. Correct. The other thing uh, that I just wanted to ask before we're off this entirely is um, Cisco says, 
that it's just like it's it's you know it sort of it basically seems to be agreeing with Kira that it's very it's pretty awful that that having to be on the other side is that in reference to something that Cisco's position like it almost feels like there's an agreement between them that being the company man is impossible and I haven't seen that from Cisco yet unless there's something I'm forgetting or some reference to his past I just took it as him trying to relate to her right well tacted by a government good well tell me what were you gonna say nothing let's watch the scene we don't have to watch the whole scene we don't, I don't care the only thing I really want to see before we leave is the I'll leave if I leave here I'll die moment the pew pews no what are you talking about that's the very last moment before she beams up that's not true the time I've spent here with you has meant so much to me but it's over all your boring stories with our lives mine and yours you say you're my friend Prove it. Use that weapon on me. I can't. If I leave here, I'll die. No, you won't. I won't let you. Two to beam up. I guess, I guess you're supposed to feel like. First of all, I thought he kept saying, "If I leave here, I'll die." I thought there was going to be some kind of sci-fi thing where it's like, "Oh, he actually will die if he leaves the planet." So now, what are they going to do? But that never happened. Um, and then it's like it feels like he's right and she's wrong <laughs> that he will kind of like start withering away and dying when he leaves the planet. So I don't know. If that's how we're supposed to feel, we're probably supposed to feel ambivalent. Uh, I don't know. I I thought I was supposed to feel like stubborn old guy, finally falling in line. <laughs> so you're on the side of the uniforms, <laughs> firmly. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, because of what they said in the dialogue of like, yeah, yeah, we could do it that way, but it'd take a whole year. Right, right. Which is like fucking just that make it take that long. Well, who cares? Yeah. Do you need this energy right now? That's what's not clear. Federation can't send down like fourth generators to right. help you go until then. And I think that's that's my uh, a lot of my problems with this episode. Are there's not enough story momentum or choices or like you say, even in the Nog Jake thing, it's just like, well, have more shit happen or have more, you know, uh, they run into more trouble or more threat. But beyond that, thematically. You can land in an ambivalent place, but you've muddied the waters so much with the stuff you're talking about that it's like, I don't know who I'm supposed to feel was right in terms of like what the things at stake were for not doing it, for doing it fast, for if you waited to do it long. Those things aren't clear to me. And, the, and that's yeah. what you're building the whole premise on. It's the really thing we're about- rooting for is for two teenagers to get some cash and they do 
Mm-hmm. That did make me happy. And I was really happy that Quark sort of sees Nog's worth, although I agree with you. Like, let's have a moment with it. Yeah, I would have appreciated more of a moment there than, than if I leave, I'll die. I also was wondering if there would be a thing. How would you feel about this ending? They They include Quark, and Quark makes a profit, and Quark basically screws them. And part of the lesson is, you didn't protect yourself in the deal. I'm giving you something more valuable than platinum bars i'm teaching you that you always have to think two steps ahead and so it's like oh that fucking quark but then there's a last moment of like but i have to tell you i'm very proud of you and i can tell you're gonna be sure that would be be actually a great way to do it too yeah two ways to do it two ways two great ways to do it they did it in either way let's do mvc who will it be the mvc Cisco kind of convinces Kira to finally get off her butt and do it. Yeah, but Kira builds the rest of that uh, pizza oven. <laughs> That's what it looked like. <laughs> That's the real crime. She destroyed the pizza oven. Yeah, but she wouldn't have been there if she didn't finish it. <laughs> so in many ways, even her actions are muddy. <laughs> Um, I think this episode's telling us it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Kira. Let me just throw this out to you: Is it Dax? Because Dax is the one that scanned them on the planet in the first place. Kira even denied that it exists. They existed down there. Yeah, but if Dax didn't scan, then <laughs> they would have died. The mission would have been completed anyway. Yeah, <laughs> all this wasted time would have been avoided. Yeah. For us, Dax been. is definitely not the MVC. <laughs> For us, the viewer, they would have been faceless deads on the <laughs> while well, they got the energy they needed immediately instead of in a year. Those they could still live on the planet. Those faceless deads. <laughs> so, is there I any- guess uh, I'm going to say Kira because it's supposed to be Kira. Um, I mean, I want to give it to Nog because Nog pulled off his plan, but I guess theoretically that didn't help anybody except Nog and Jake. Because he helped Quark. Hey, that's a question. We're kind of doing it so that any of the characters can be the MVC, right? So since Nog helped Quark make a profit, I guess the other one's more important. I mean, if you're going by that, then wouldn't it be Rom? Why Rom? He got the sauce in in the first place. (laughs) That was an intentional... He just stumbled He's into that. For the whole story. He's the most valuable. All right, give it uh, to For Kira. me, it's Kira. Who are you saying? Kira. Okay. How many Andy's does this episode get? This is really tough. It was a snoozeville. Good performances. Great performances. S- snoozes all around. I'm going to give it a three based on the performances, a zero if there were no good performances. I give it a four just because I like where the Nog plot landed, but it's not a good episode. It's a snoozer. You could skip it. I'd call it Warp Factor Snore. (laughs) Is that slower than zero? I guess so. (laughs) Uh, It's like one sixteenth impulse power. Uh, 
All right, everyone. I guess we just we just go now. Right? <laughs> We're done. We don't have anything else to say. Goodbye. Everybody. Check out our Picard. Check out our Picards. Picards. <laughs> Patreon. dot com slash Star Trek TNC. It's Patreon slash Star Trek TNC. <laughs> FYI. What did, I, what did I say? Is it Patreon Star Trek slash TNC? Mm. Uh, Andy's right. Okay. <laughs> bye, bye again. Disengage? <laughs>